Well, every team uh, has its problems, right? No, it, it, what doesn't matter whether it's an acapella uh, choir group or a, or a basketball team or a baseball team. You know, pitchers and catchers report any day now. I'm excited for uh, spring training, looking forward to baseball season. My uh, son will tell you that there's like 13 days until the high school baseball season starts. I'm looking forward to all of that stuff, uh, baseball and softball. I, I'm looking forward to the baseball season, even though I'm a Royals fan. You talk about teams with problems. The Royals this offseason signed some new players, and we won't bother going down the list of these new accusations. Accusations. <laughs> yeah, we won't uh, bother going down the list of all these new players that they signed and, and acquired, but uh, I will tell you that uh, the position players are really fast. Like if the Royals were building a relay team, they'd have the best relay team in Major League Baseball, but they're not supposed to be doing that. They're supposed to be putting together a baseball team. And while it's okay, it's really good to be fast while you're playing baseball, uh, the Royals have a, a ton of potential to lead the Major Leagues in so and bases this season, theoretically. Uh, these guys could steal bunches and bunches and bunches of bases. The problem is, is that only one of them has, you know, ever hit over like 260 in a major league uh, season. They don't get on base very much. I don't know if you know much about baseball. Uh, I don't know that much, but I do know that you can't steal first base. You know, you have to figure out a way to get on base before you can steal a base. If you're trying to build a baseball team, uh, that's a problem with your baseball team. You know, any team can have problems. I remember when my son was in the fifth grade, he played on this basketball team, and, and not very many of these fifth and sixth graders had played basketball before, uh, and that was apparent right away. Uh, before the first game, the coach was going over some details that maybe they hadn't practiced in their practices leading up to that game, and one of those details was the jump ball at the beginning of the game. You've seen a basketball game. You know that the game starts with the referee throwing the ball in the air, the, the generally two centers, the tallest people or best jumpers on the team uh, try to knock the ball to their teammate to begin the game and and he's trying to explain to this young man who had never played basketball before but who was much taller than any of the other boys on the team what a jump ball looked like and so uh, the the game kind of got underway and and uh, he he had told this young man that you know you're going to get the ball and they're going to throw it up in the air and that's how the game starts and I don't remember if they didn't jump ball to begin the game I it, it's been too long but in any event at the beginning of the game uh, it's they got the ball out of bounds, and they were to throw the ball in bounds, and so the referee handed that tall, young uh, basketball player the ball, and he's standing out of bounds. He, the theory is he's going to throw it to a teammate in bounds, and he took the ball, and he just threw it as high as he could, straight up in the air. Somewhere along the line, you know, they had crossed wires. The communication hadn't uh, really caught hold, and he just threw, I felt really bad because the gym's silent, right? This is terrible fifth grade basketball. Nobody's very excited. Uh, we're watching this go on, and uh, the ball goes straight up in the air, and I laugh out loud. You know, it's one of those situations where everybody hears you laugh, and I felt bad because I wasn't well, I was laughing at this young guy. I, I shouldn't have been probably, but it was just, it was really funny. He throws it straight up in the air. Every team 
has its problems. Over the last several weeks, we've been taking a look at the early church, and uh, the early church has been just running on all cylinders, you know, it's really going, but uh, last week we saw kind of our first glimpse, it was a real, it was a big glimpse, right, it was a heavy kind of session last week, and taking a look at the first hiccup the early church experienced in Acts chapter 5, and we're going to realize that every team has its problems, and even even though the church is, is God's team, it's, it's Jesus' body, it's his family, and we've been invited to play a role in that, you know, occasionally there are issues that arise in his church, and we have to figure out how to navigate those issues. We have to figure out how we can be uh, a contributing part of God's team. And I think we absolutely can. And this week in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, I think this section of Scripture teaches us three acts of teamwork that we need to participate in in order to be one of those contributing members of God's team. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to Acts, the uh, sixth chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 7 this morning. Uh, if you received one of those welcome packets, there's an outline on the back, a page number at the top that'll take you to Acts chapter 6 and one of the Bibles you can find around you. Hopefully you've downloaded the Wallula app. Remember, if we ever uh, delay a service or you know we, we go to one service on a Sunday morning because of inclement weather or whatever, that Wallula app is going to have an update for you. It's the very quickest and best way for you to hear those updates. We'll do other things, but... Uh, in case of inclement weather, if we decide to make a change, uh, that's one way to do it. So download the Wallula app if you have not. But on that Wallula app, you can find uh, the sermon outline and the scripture reference this morning for Acts chapter 6, taking a look at the first seven verses this morning. This is what God's word says, Acts chapter 6. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word and what they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit and Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas a proselyte of Antioch these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. All right, a really uh, cool section of scripture here, and we're going to take a look at how we can participate in these three acts of teamwork to, to really be a part of God's team. Uh, the first act of teamwork is to see the need. Let's just start at verse 1 and, and work our way through here. The first act of teamwork is to see the need. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, we should remember that the church really has been hitting on all cylinders. If you go back over the last uh, several weeks, weeks when we've been talking about these building blocks that the early church church put in place and that we should put in place as a follower of Jesus and as a as a believer you can see that the the church started with you know the tongues of fire and 
in the sound of this giant thunderstorm when there wasn't really a storm and the Holy Spirit shows up and Peter starts to preach and he preaches the first gospel message and shares the good news for the very first time and 3,000 people, at least 3,000 people respond to that message and devote themselves to Jesus. They devote themselves to God's team. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the church continues to, to enjoy that fellowship and community and continues to grow. And, and Peter and John show up at the temple one day, you'll, you'll remember, and they reach down and they pick this guy up who had never walked before. And the Holy Spirit heals this man through Peter and John. And, and crowds of people gather around. They're excited about what the church is doing and how the church is making a difference. And, and even when Peter and John are arrested for that act of kindness, the church can continues to grow and people are are still uh, interested and intrigued by this group of people these followers of jesus and the, the 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 team that god is putting together and so when peter and john are released they they go to a prayer meeting where literally the holy spirit shakes the building right the church just continues to grow and even when we experience the first hiccup, and it's a big hiccup, you know, when, when sin kind of first rears its ugly head as jealousy intrudes on that group of believers and Ananias and Sapphira want to receive the credit just like Barnabas without, you know, giving that full effort, that full uh, generosity to God and, and uh, sin enters into the picture. And even through that sin, even realizing, you know, God's standards don't change and that he's absolutely holy and absolutely right, the church continues to grow and it continues to change people's lives. Thousands of people are added to that number. Now, it's interesting that through just a couple of individual uh, folks and their, their sin, the first hiccup of the church, and, and now we encounter the, the second kind of hiccup in the church, the, the second sort of problem that the God's team has encountered in the early going. Everything has been going well. It reminds me of another team, you know, here in the state of Kansas. There, uh, I don't know if any of you saw a recent basketball game between two universities in the state of Kansas. Uh, one team... Uh, won that game and one team lost that game. It's interesting in as much as the one team that lost has won 14 conference titles in a row. They've won before that game eight games against their in-state rival in a row. It would be easy to say and it, it's right to say that man everything was rolling along for this this university and this team. Everything's going in the right direction. And then, you know, there's a little bit of a hiccup, an FBI investigation, right? And some players aren't allowed to play, and other players leave the team, and, and kind of this, this hiccup begins. And, man, you know, any team can face some issues and can face some problems. If, if this university, with everything going in the right direction, this basketball team can kind of face that, uh, those issues, then, then maybe the church can as well. That's what happens here in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. 
Now, as we unpack verse 1, there's a couple things we need to notice, all right? And often we get stuck on that that first word, and we think, well, that complaint is the real issue. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want us to unpack the, the two groups of people here. And this is where kind of the real issue happens, okay? There's a, there's a complaint by the Hellenists uh, that arose against the Hebrews. Uh, the, the Hellenists and the Hebrews, you take these two groups of folks, and, and, you know, this happens a lot with us. I'm not sure why. And with us, by us, I just mean people. All right? This happens a lot with people. No matter what culture it is, no matter whether we're, what team we're talking about, if we're, if we're talking about you know, a nation and politics, or we're talking about a sports team and, and different cliques on that team, or we're talking about the church and kind of different groups that make up a, a church or the church, there, this happens a lot to teams, and it happens a lot to people. And, and so when you explore these two uh, groups of folks, we should realize that uh, like any of those other teams, there's probably way more that these two groups have in common than they, that are, are different about them. And that's certainly true. The, these folks were, were uh, Jewish Christians. They had the same sort of religious background. They had devoted themselves to the same things. We can go back to those former building blocks, right? And these folks have, had been with the church for some amount of time, maybe even from that very first church service when the Holy Spirit shows up, and, and they've devoted themselves to those, those uh, activities and those building blocks that we've talked about leading up to this week. And so they had all of those things in common. And here we're, we're uh, introduced to uh, this really one thing that they sort of don't have in common. And, and it's really a minor deal. Uh, you see, the Hellenists would be Greek Jews. They would be uh, Jewish uh, Christians who had grown, out, grown up outside of Israel. And the Hebrews were, were Jewish Christians with all those same things in common who had grown up in Jerusalem and Judea and Israel. It was a geographic kind of difference. It was a little, it was a, a, a minor cultural difference. I mean, I guess we could argue about minor, but it was a cultural difference, and this is the one thing that they sort of didn't have in common. And it just reminds me, as we, as we talked about last week, and it's been a recurring theme, hasn't it, about how important unity in God's team and in the church is to uh, God how important that unity is to Jesus. You know, you, you've maybe heard, and, and we think sometimes that two is better than one. You know, and, and we've maybe heard that, but the truth is, is that one is better than one. And maybe you've seen this phrase before, right? And, you know, kind of capital letters one. We're talking about when, when a group of people come together as a team, when they really unite as a team, then, you know, that's greater than just one person or even a group of people acting alone, acting on their own. That team is stronger than uh, the sum of its parts. You know, I learned this lesson from a movie called The Avengers, right? We have a picture here. There we go. That's about right, right? This is what happens, by the way, when you don't share the load, right? When I'm left to my own resources to put slides together, then this is the kind of stuff that happens, and it looks goofy and it's terrible, but one is better than one. You know, Jesus wanted this so much 
for his team. He wants this so much for his team. If you look at the very last prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross, it's in, it's in John chapter 17. And you take a look at, at that last prayer, and, and Jesus is going to pray for a, a couple of things as he prays that last prayer. He's going to begin by praying for himself, and why not? Because in just a short period of time, he's going to the cross. And so he begins by praying for himself. And then he continues to pray uh, for his closest friends, for that group of, of his 12 disciples. And he, he prays for them. And why not? Because when he's arrested and he's taken to the cross, they'll be, they'll be chased, they'll be scared, they'll be frightened, they won't know what, what's going on. And so he prays for that group of 12, for his closest friends, for the disciples. And then, do you know who he prays for? He prays for you, and he prays for me. He prays for Wallula Christian Church. He prays for the, for the church that is, is yet to be. And in John chapter 17, verses 20 and, and 21, Jesus says this, I, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you catch that? That's a pretty significant prayer that Jesus prays for you and for me, for Wallula, for the churches in our, in our, our neighborhoods, in our communities, and around the world. He prays that we would uh, be uh, together, one, in the same way that Jesus is one with the Father. You know, this, the idea of the Trinity, that, the, the, that God the Father, Jesus the Son, uh, the Holy Spirit are, are three in one is one of the great mysteries of our faith. It's so big that it's really difficult for us to talk about. It's a oneness, it's a relationship that is so close and so tight that we have trouble discerning exactly what it means. Uh, but it's that kind of oneness that Jesus desires for his church. Did you notice why? Look at the end of verse 21. He wants us to be together, to be one, because it's through that oneness, it's through that oneness that others will believe. It's through that community, it's through the way we love one another, the way we build relationships with one another, the way we act in one accord, the way we're striving to be better as one than one, that everyone around us, that the world who, that surrounds us, that the folks that we work with, that our family who have yet to say yes to Jesus, that our friends who are, are, are taking spiritual things casually, that they would realize the difference that Jesus makes in our life. It's such an important and significant prayer. And I think sometimes we get caught up on the complaint. And, and maybe as, as folks who attend church, let, let's face it, most of us who showed up this morning, hey, we're here an awful lot, right? And you maybe uh, know that once in a while churches can complain about stuff. 
You know, we, we complain about what kind of music we play, how loud the music is. We complain about what color the carpet is. We complain about whether the coffee is too weak or too strong. We sometimes complain about stuff. And so maybe uh, that's why we get caught on that word complaint. But the real issue here is the division, is the disunity that was existing in this early church. Because sometimes, sometimes complaints are valid. You know, sometimes a, another word for complaint would be need. And that's really the first act of teamwork is to see the need. Because we can't be entirely sure here. This might have just been an argument between two groups of people. And this might have been a, an invalid, sort of a fruitless complaint. But I lean more to the, the, the fact that, that maybe not intentionally, but whether intentional or not, there was probably some folks who were sort of slipping through the cracks. And that's the issue here. That's the need that they see that's present because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. See, they were, they were taking care of widows and providing them with food and the necessities that they needed, and some folks were missing out on those. And, and we don't know for sure. Maybe it was just a complaint. Maybe it was not valid. I, I tend to think that, that probably it was a real need, and, and we, as a, as a group of, of teammates, as a part of God's team, need to be able to see the need. You know, we do a, a pretty good job. I'm always... Uh, amazed by folks here at Wallula Christian Church. We, we think about the last several months uh, searching for a worship pastor and the, the job that the worship team has done to provide leadership and, and to allow us to continue to enter into the throne room of God. They've done a tremendous job because they saw a, a need, a, a pretty obvious need. They saw the need. You know, I think about some folks who run our, our greeters ministry, especially during uh, the 1030 worship service. That, that had been a ministry that had been sort of sporadic. And uh, a family saw the need and said, hey, we could take leadership in that. And they've done a great job of putting those teams together and, and providing a leadership there. You know, I, I think about somebody we know well uh, here at Wallula, who's not feeling well, by the way, right now, uh, Dave Coleman, who just sort of sees all kinds of needs. You know, that, that guy is maybe on campus more than me. So I'm impressed and I'm, I'm honored to serve alongside folks that see uh, the real need. Act. The, the first act of teamwork is to see the need. The second act uh, of teamwork is to, to meet the need while playing your position. That's sort of the issue that arises. Okay, well, here's this need. How do we, how do we handle that need then? Uh, the, the early church is going to ask. Verse 2 says, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, and whom you, we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. All right, so they, they formulate a plan. They get everybody together. The 12 summoned the full number. The apostles got all of the disciples, all the teammates together, and, and said, hey, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve 
table. So, so Peter and the rest of the apostles realized that they had a position to play, that they had a role to play on a team. And, and, and they said, you know, I, I don't think it would be right for us to, to stop playing our position in or, order to serve tables. This is an interesting Greek word. All right, from this Greek word that we translate as serve tables, we, we get uh, the word that maybe you've heard if you've grown up in the church. We don't use it so much here at Wallula, but if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this word deacon before. Deacon is a word that just literally means to serve. In fact, this Greek word uh, referenced being a waiter or a waitress, literally serving tables. And that's sort of what Peter and the rest of the apostles were talking about in a, in a very practical way. They, they, maybe it looked more like meals on wheels in our world today, I don't know, but they were delivering meals to uh, this, this group of widows. And they said, you know, we, we have this position to play, and we have these jobs to do, and, and so... W- we shouldn't take a break from that, those things to, uh, to serve tables. It's also interesting that you remember when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and whenever a preacher talks about that, you know, they'll say, oh, well, when Jesus washed the, apostle, the disciples' feet, that was a big deal because that was sort of the, the job for the lowest available servant, to wash people's feet. That makes sense, right? Well, the same sort of attitude existed for waiting tables, you know, I don't know who would have been responsible. Maybe it was those young men who carried dead bodies out last week. But it was a job that was sort of frowned on in the first century. And it might be easy for us to sort of say, well, we'll leave that to, you know, those, those guys we got to carry out dead bodies or whoever it is, Right? But I want you to listen carefully and think carefully about the description of the folks they choose to serve in this role. Because what Peter and the rest of the apostles are not saying, they're not saying, hey, we're too big a deal to wait on tables. That's not their point at all. And I think it's made clear by the description here. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Right? A, a group of seven, this, this is sort of traditional. You know, Jewish synagogues would have seven men who served in, in the role of taking care of finances and that sort of thing. Uh, lots of times if you get a, a group of first century Jews together and they said, hey, we need a team to go do this, they're going to pick the number seven. It was a big deal to them. It's sort of a traditional deal. And so I think probably that's why they settle on seven here. It's, you know, the, very early in the church they started doing things because that's the way they'd always done things. So they choose seven men. That's only funny to me. That's okay. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, who has a good reputation, who's full of the Spirit and wisdom. Right? That's not, that's not the uh, description of somebody, you know, we're just looking for the lowest common denominator here. We're just looking for, you know, kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to figure out who in the world can serve tables. They see the need and meet the need, and, and it really, really matters. It makes a difference. It's being a great teammate. It's serving Jesus well. Well, point to this duty. The Greek there could be translated as need. They saw the need, and they met the need. 
but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You remember when we talked about devotion a few weeks ago? And there's that word again, right? We talked about devotion and how it's a little different than maybe commitment, that it's what we want to be stuck to, adhered to. And, and here, uh, Peter and the rest of the apostles are saying, look, we're going to devote ourselves, we're going to be stuck to, we're going to be adhered to prayer, our relationship with Jesus, with God, and to the ministry of the word, sharing that relationship with others and building relationships. We can, we can see a need and we can meet uh, the need. We can, we can fill that need in. It's, what, it's the model that Jesus left us. Uh, Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many see it's not about what the world might think of the task or the need it's not about what you know even whatever the group of people collected together might think about that task or that need it's about the willingness to love others like Jesus to meet that need while playing our position, knowing that we have, that we have a, a role to play. That Peter and the apostles, they were, they were to devote themselves to, to prayer and to the ministry of the word, to preach and to share that story. You know, in, in other places in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, we read about this, we read this list of, uh, of spiritual gifts. You know, you, you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and around verse uh, 8, it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, and, and according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And, and these are empowered by one in the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You read through First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, you won't count or a list of, of 12 to 14 different spiritual gifts and uh, the way God has shaped us to, uh, to play a position on his team. And, and maybe some of you are saying, well, it was clear to Peter and John and the rest of the apostles what they were to be devoted to, what their spiritual gift was, but I'm not sure. There's ways for us to kind of figure this out. Uh, you know, there, there's a resource, there's all kinds of resources online and that are available to you. There's, there's a, a, a website that we have uh, the freeshapetest.com you can go there and it'll ask you some questions and you, you click on the dots you answer the questions and then it'll come up with some, some spiritual gifts that might best fit your, your personality and your, your, uh, your, your likes and your dislikes and all of that and, and maybe that list will, will give you a hint into what, uh, you know, what you ought to be devoted to what your spiritual gift is like Peter and John. I, I, I like one preacher who said, if you really want to know your spiritual gift, you ought to go into a room and you ought to take a look at that room and examine it for the need that is present. And then decide, what can I do with excellence that could help meet this need? And in that situation, in that spot, that very well could be your spiritual gift. You can see that need and you can meet that need while playing your position. It's the second act of 
teamwork. The third act of teamwork is to remember that every servant is uh, important. Every servant is important. Verse 5 says, and, that, uh, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Verse 5, it, it pleased the whole gathering. Right there was, there was unity restored here. Now it's interesting to me what these five names have in common. You go back and you look at the two groups of people who were having this disagreement. They were the Hellenists and they were the Hebrews. And you look at this list of, of, of names here in, in Acts chapter 5. And what do they all have in common? They're all Greek. Right? They're all Greek. You know, often the reason we maybe get stuck on that word complaint in the church sometimes is that when we think of complaint, we think of somebody who says, well, this is a problem and sort of goes home. Right? The, the apostles said, hey, we're going to solve this problem. We want you to pick seven people who are, are full of the spirit and wisdom and who can handle this issue. And they came up with this list of seven folks who would fit in that first group who had the complaint. We can help to solve those, those problems, those needs that we see uh, arise. And every servant is important. You know, it's interesting to me as well that the first couple of names here in this list are guys that we're going to hear about in the next couple of chapters, and they're going to do some really uh, significant things. They're going to do some important stuff, and it just uh, leads me to, to remember that God, you know, he loves us so much, he'll accept us where we are, and, and, you know, he'll use our shape, he'll use our giftedness where we are, but that doesn't mean that's where we ought to stay forever, that he wants to grow us and change us, he wants to mature us. And we can continue to serve in, in different ways throughout our relationship with Jesus. And as different needs arise. So they set these men before the apostles in verse 6. And they prayed and laid their hands on them. Oh, this is something we don't, we don't do very much here at, at Wallula. We don't talk about the laying on of hands. It's really interesting that when you walk through scripture, there, there's about seven different ways that the laying on of hands is, is used. And, and sometimes it was, it was just to denote, uh, you know, the passing of one position of leadership to another, especially in the Old Testament. There'd be a laying on of hands and, and one king would replace another king or one prophet would replace another prophet. And so there was a laying on of hands. Sometimes, especially in the Old Testament, you read about laying on of hands and it's it's uh it's not like a nice prayer meeting it's this physical encounter to uh to solve uh the problem or or to the the god issues for some reason uh we don't read about that so much in the new testament but we read about you know this this passing on this filling up of the of the spirit in in acts chapter 6 verse 6 and in other places where their uh, folks are commissioned for a task uh, ahead of them. A little later in the book of Acts, Barnabas and Paul are going to set out on the very first uh, missionary journey, and the church in Antioch will commission them to lay on hands and send them out. So the apostles commissioned these, these men for uh, meeting this need and, and, and the fact that every servant is important. 
You know, it, it doesn't matter the role we play, the position we have. We're an important part of God's team. Everybody is somebody on God's team. Verse 7 goes on to say, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. See, just like the first hiccup a chapter ago in the book of Acts, the church continued to grow. It continued to, to make way for Jesus. And after the, even the second hiccup, as that church is sort of reunited and gathers together to serve together, to share the load together, you know, God continues to bring this, this increase, this success that crowds of people, a great many of the priests. That, that's a Greek word, great many, that could be translated as crowds. You ought to think of, of crowds of priests coming to, to faith to believe in Jesus. What would happen if crowds of leaders in the first century came to, to follow after somebody? Well, those crowds of leaders would bring their followers you know, you, you read in the book of Acts that, you know, somebody says yes to Jesus and their whole household, you know, was baptized, right? And that, that's a little different for us as individuals in America. But in the first century, man, if, if the patron says this is a go, then it's a go. You know, they follow suit. And so you, you, we've sort of added followers of Jesus to this point, but the word changes from, even though they were big numbers, right, thousands of people saying yes to multitudes. We're just multiplying believers. These crowds of leaders with crowds of followers say yes to Jesus. Because of these three acts of teamwork. That's so cool. There's going to be all kinds of opportunities for you to participate in these three acts of teamwork. That uh, ministry team fair next Sunday is a great chance for you to, to meet ministry team leaders, to check out the different uh, teams of uh, areas of service here at Wallula Christian Church and to, to say, yeah, I'd, I'd like to figure out more about this. I'd like to uh, throw some energy and some effort behind this and be on board. Uh, I want to participate in these three acts of teamwork. Right now, I want to I want to close our service and just just uh, pray together. And so, what I'm going to ask uh, to do this morning, and I don't want to embarrass anybody. I didn't warn anybody. This is all my fault. Uh, and so, you can be mad at me for a while, but this is important, I think. And so, if you're a ministry team leader or a small group leader, then I'm just going to invite you to stand right now. We're all going to stand, actually. If you're able, stand up. Ministry team leaders, stand up first. Let's see a couple of those folks. Small group leaders. <coughs> George, that's you. Thank you. There you go. Thanks for stepping out and leading the way there. All right, awesome. And so uh, there's just a laying on of hands. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not saying anything theological here, all right? So, uh, you know, there's the laying on of hands by the apostles in the first century is probably different than what we're going to do right now, all right? But I just want to pray for these folks and their service to Wallula Christian Church. So if you're comfortable, just stand up. You can gather around them. You can, you can lay on some hands on some shoulders right there. Jolene, you can knock George right upside the head. Boom, right there, that's fine. All right, if you're not super comfortable doing that, I'm gonna invite everybody to stand. I'm gonna pray for us. 
All right, I just want you to reach out your hand towards these ministry team leaders, okay? All right, just like that. Awesome. Let's just let's let's pray for uh, these folks who are serving in those roles of of deacons of you know, seeing a need and meeting a need just like uh, we all can. Father God, we love you, and uh, we thank you so much for loving us, and we thank you for taking care of us. We're grateful this morning just to, uh, just to be reminded that, you know, our team is no different from any other team, and, and uh, even, even a team that was experiencing so much success in the first century, there were hiccups along the way, there were roadblocks, there were issues that had to be resolved, and, and we're grateful to see how uh, we can come together and how we can serve each other and love each other and we can we can see that need and meet that need we can play the positions that you've given us on your team to play we can do them well and and that each one of those positions is so important that everybody is somebody uh, on your team and and god i don't mean to single anybody out this morning uh, uh, because we're important we all have a role to play on your team we all have a position to play but i'm grateful for these men and women who serve as 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 ministry team leaders and small group leaders who who are equipping and making a way for each one of us to see a need and meet a need and to, to share the story of jesus well through our acts and through our conversations and through the service that we provide to one another and to our community god my simple prayer would be help us to do that better help us to understand in a in a bigger way than we ever have that one is better than one that we need each other and that for whatever reason even though you are a big 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 god you've invited us and called us to be a part of your team and you've laid this ministry of the word you've laid these things that we ought to be devoted to at our feet and help us help us to be adhered to them help us to be stuck to our position to be devoted to that role that you have invited us to play. Man, God, we love you, and we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray.